Hey, Drew Dixon, back with you for another Bible Thump. I'm the chief content nerd, a lovely nerd, and we're in Mark chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 1, and we're going to jump into another weird Bible story from the Gospel of Mark. And uh, this one is less famous, well, less famous than the last couple stories we've looked at, but uh, equally important to understanding those questions we've been digging into, like, who is Jesus? What did he do? Why does it matter? Um, so big theme in Mark's Gospel, and really all the Gospels, is this tension between Jesus and the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, um, these these Jewish religious leaders, right? And Jesus is very much a Jewish dude. Like, he's a Jewish guy. He lives by Jewish customs and laws. And, like, he entered into a world in which um, Jewish people were subjugated to Rome, right? They were under Roman occupation. And that was a big deal for the Jews. It was something that made them feel like they were not in control, like life wasn't going the way that it was supposed to go, like um, the kingdom couldn't possibly, this kingdom Jesus was preaching couldn't possibly have arrived because Rome is still in command, right? And so any um, any Jew in Jesus' day would have thought in those kind of terms that like, hey, a big part to um, to like really being who we're supposed to be and, and being God's people in God's place under God's rule was was freeing themselves from Rome. Like, to be God's people, to live for God, to be in his kingdom would surely mean something has to be done about Rome. And so that's kind of the context in which uh, this debate we're going to unpack unfolds. And I'll explain more about that in a minute. But um, with that in mind, let's read Jesus's confrontation with the Pharisees, starting in Mark 7, verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. Isn't it cool how Mark, like, explains some of these things to us? Like, we would not get what's going on here if Mark didn't explain it to us. Which is sort of indication that Mark wrote with a pretty broad audience in mind. People who weren't weren't were Jews in mind, which is which I'm thankful for. So uh, he says, says uh, in verse 4, When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs they have received and kept and keep, uh, like washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating with ceremonially unclean hands? Jesus answered them, Isaiah the prophet uh, prophesied, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. He also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father and mother whatever you benefit you might have received from me as Corbin, that is, an offering devoted to God, you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many, many other such similar things. All right, so Jesus is calling them hypocrites. He's not uh, playing nice with the Pharisees. He's, he's calling them out. Like, you know what a hypocrite is, right? It's someone who says something and does another. He's saying... You guys are claiming to be one thing when in reality, like, you're broken. You're claiming to be close to God, but you're broken. Um, and the Pharisees had this idea, right? We talked about this earlier of, of, like, we need to, for Israel to be the spiritual, like, healthy um, community and people that they believed God wanted them to be, 
they had to purify themselves, right? Part of how you got rid of Rome and the mind of a Pharisee and got Israel to this place where we're healthy, we're good, where the people we're supposed to be is is by separating yourself from Rome. They believed that the reason Israel landed itself under Roman occupation, which was preceded by uh, Persian occupation and Babylonian occupation and Assyrian occupation and so on, right? Um, all these occupations, all these, all these foreign armies, foreign powers taking over Israel were due to Israel's sinfulness, like their idolatry, like their giving in to pagan customs, like uh, of these foreign nations that worship multiple gods, like they believed that 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 was how Israel landed itself in this place that it was. Like it compromised their integrity, their their unity, their um, spiritual purity, right? And so the Pharisees' idea of how to get Israel back on track was to like really dig into purity. Like we're not just going to keep all the laws of the Old Testament, but we're not going going to hang out with anyone who doesn't. We're 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 going to be really really careful about everything that we eat, everything that we touch, uh, the washing of our hands. So like these laws that we see Jesus talking about here, or Mark talking about, sort of kind of trying to explain to us Gentiles, are all wrapped up in this idea of purity, right? And so the Pharisees are saying to Jesus, "Hey, it looks like you don't play." by the rules that we've set up. And in reality, like, it's important to note, Jesus is not opposed to the Old Testament law. He's not opposed to the teaching of the Old Testament. What he's opposed to is abuses or bad interpretations of the law. So um, the question comes up in this text of, like, how do you know when your relationship with a religion has become unhealthy? And Jesus is going to show us. He's going to challenge us to reconsider how we interpret the Bible, how we interpret... Um, tradition or how we how we think about traditions and things that we do um like there's part of me that wonders if the pharisees weren't right if i'm honest like because cleanliness especially in this day and age of like a pandemic right cleanliness is super important like why is jesus uh why aren't jesus disciples washing their hands properly like that concerns me uh but this illustrates an important point that we must not miss most of what the Pharisees argued for was was good. They weren't out there going like, "Hey, everybody, um, you should uh, you should rob banks," or or "Hey, everybody, like um, you know, uh, telling lies is fine." Like the 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 things they were advocating for and arguing for were good things. Like it's good to these these purity laws and things in a way are tied to like like the heart behind them is good. It's this desire to be a distinct, set-apart people uh, for God's glory in the world. Like, the goal, God's design for Israel was for them to be this holy nation, this set-apart nation that was different from every other nation in their values and their culture and how they did life. And the idea of that was for them to be like the city on a hill, right? This, this shining beacon of what it looks like to, to be God's people. They were to be lights unto the nations. They were to show the pagan nations around them, like, hey, hey, here, here's how to do life well under God's rule um, and to give people a vision of, of a life well lived for, for, God's good, for, for God's glory and for the good of the world. Um, but they'd utterly failed to do that, right? Um, and so the Pharisees believed the way that we got back on track, again, was, was really digging down into these purity laws and things. That was a big part of it. So um, the problem wasn't what they argued for, the, the problem with the Pharisees was the way they abdicated and the way they prioritized. 
Jesus identifies the key human problem in this text. It's not our outward actions. He's going to dig into this even more next week when we look at the next passage after this, but it's our hearts. It's our intent. It's our motive. What are we trying to accomplish by the things that we do and the laws we hold people to? And the debate between Jesus and the Pharisees, N.T. Wright says, is not centered just on the kinds of traditions we debate about today. Like, this isn't just about a theological debate about theological traditions or or maybe like church practices that we debate about today like there's this debate in some churches today about like contemporary or um or modern music or like hymns or praise songs um and don't worry if you're not familiar with those debates trust me you're not missing much they're not interesting but uh this debate centered on two different ways of understanding what it meant to be a person of god to be a good jew in the first century And it wasn't just about doctrine or ethics, but it's tied to this political agenda of like getting rid of Rome, right? That's a big part of it. And by elevating, and and Jesus is essentially saying, look, you've missed the boat. You've missed the point. You're elevating human customs, these laws you've built around the law, these extra stipulations you've placed around the law, these ideas of what you think means to be ritually pure before God, you've elevated to them to the point of like fundamental laws whenever they're really just your practice, your ideas, your ideas about what it means to follow God. So there's a really good, healthy, important question for us to ask of ourselves. Like, are there certain expectations I have of other people that I'm elevating to this point of where I say you can't be a Christian or you can't be a follower of Jesus or you can't be saved or whatever it is unless you do X, Y, and Z? Um, or at least you're not you're not a good one if you're not doing X, Y, and Z. Um, whether that's like in the history of the church, sometimes that's been stupid things like dancing or um, sometimes it's been things like uh, – alcohol or um like you have to have this certain stance on things like alcohol or drugs or whatever like i'm not saying i'm not advocating for any of these things but i'm saying like you know you see someone who does life differently than you do and you immediately assume like hey you're on the out and i'm on the in um i'm i'm inside you're outside um they were elevating their own ideas of what it meant to follow god to the level of God and his explicit word. And I don't think it's that hard to see how that would be a problem. It's a problem because it narrows the kingdom. Do you see that? Like it narrows how we think of Christ's kingdom, what it means to be a part of it. Jesus gives an example. He says, basically, the Pharisees were taking this like rigid, um, their rigid traditions and things, and basically telling people they didn't have to honor their fathers and mothers. Like, they were saying, uh, they were they were using the law to say, hey, I'm giving my money to God, so I don't have to honor my father and mother. But who gave the command to honor your father and mother, to take care of them and love them and support them? That's one of the Ten Commandments. Like, that's, that's straight from the mouth of God. So you can see how um, their their interpretation of the law and their their program for purifying Israel was actually causing harm to real people in the world. Um, so who loses out when you give into an agenda like the Pharisees? Who lost out? Um, well, a lot of the people that Jesus went out of his way to love and serve. Um, if we give into this, if you, in the first century, if you, if you bought into the Pharisees' agenda, um, like the people who had the most difficulty keeping the law were the kinds of people Jesus loved, the poor. 
the outcasts, the sinners, the tax collectors. Like if you're living in poverty, these ritual purity laws are hard to keep because you're working with your hands and you're getting dirty and you're doing things just to make a living that are ceremonially unclean, right? Um, if you're a tax collector, um, you're working for Rome. And so your very occupation, your very job is one that was considered like in the minds of, of most Jews of like treason, like you're a traitor. You're, you've given in to Israel's oppressors and you're working for them. Like you're a horrible person, according to most Jews in the first century, if, if, you, if you were a tax collector. And those are the kind of people we see Jesus going out of his way to spend time with and love and serve. Outcasts, poor people, uh, quote-unquote sinners, and tax collectors and the like. Um, and so, yeah, if we start elevating our own ideas, our own traditions about what it means to follow God to the level of gospel, to the level of um, you've got to keep this in order to be on the, on the inside of God's people, um, we are setting ourselves up to miss the heart of the gospel. Um, Jesus was once asked, what is the greatest command? And he said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If our practice of religion is empowering us or freeing us to neglect the needs of our neighbor, or even to hurt, to cause harm to our neighbors, like we need to rethink what's motivating us to do those things, to live in conformity to this law or whatever. We don't necessarily, we don't necessarily need to reconsider um, all of our traditions and laws. Please don't hear me saying that. Like I'm, I'm actually a big fan of, of religious ritual in a lot of ways. Like I love... I love going to church. I love taking the Lord's Supper. I love singing hymns and songs, whether they're praise songs or hymns. Like We have a liturgy in our church that I love to recite. I, it, it's meaningful to me. It makes me think about deep truths of our faith and um, kind of um, keeps me grounded in a lot of ways. So he's not saying throw these traditions out, but do consider your relationship with, with these things. Do consider your relationship with um, with 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 the, the traditions and laws around you? Are you holding these things over people's heads in ways that causes them harm? Or are you seeing those traditions as something that would spur you on to love God and love and serve your neighbor? Like we just, it sounds so simple and it is, but we get so easily sidetracked because we're so broken sometimes, I think, and so jacked up in our thinking. We so easily elevate ourselves. I mean, what the Pharisees were doing was elevating themselves. We do that when we have these uh, unreasonable rules or expectations of of what we expect people to do and be in order to be a part of our churches or our faith communities. Um, like, it's simple. What it means to follow Jesus is so simple. Let's not lose sight of that. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you really love God, that love's going to motivate you to be more neighbor-focused. It's going to motivate you to see the needs of your neighbor and think about how you can meet them. Um, and if it's not, then you need to check your heart, right? You need to check your motives. Um, is it about you showing yourself to be better than others? Or is it about welcoming others into this good news that Jesus 
came to preach and that Jesus embodies and that Jesus invites us to celebrate and to participate in and to share um, joyfully with others. Um, it's good news, isn't it, that we're invited to share in this um, kingdom that Christ is building and we're invited to invite others to participate in it, to, to welcome others into the love of King Jesus. It's exciting. I hope you're excited. Um, hope you're encouraged, and I hope this uh, this this passage encouraged you to really check uh, check what's motivating you, what's motivating the things that you do, and um, consider whether um, whether you're really loving your neighbors through the way you you practice your religion. It's really it's it's a really important question. Thanks for uh, thinking through this with me. I'll see you again next week. <laughs>